Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up woman. Did you know that one in ten couples stop having sex while they're applying for a mortgage? That's how stressful it can be. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Habito, who are on a mission to make mortgages easier. By the way, for a more interactive experience, listen to this podcast on an app called Entail. E-N-T-A-L-E. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. What? It's because it's because everybody listening, maybe not everybody listening, but we'll just be in Boxing Day. Like, mayhem. why are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hello. What? What do you want? Hi. Can Leave I... me alone. Exactly. I know. Well, okay. So, hello. I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine. But uh, it's Boxing Day, and I'm in bed with Emily. She's in my bed, and she's wearing her outdoor clothes. I feel like it's sort of infecting the sheets. <laughs> but I'm very happy you're here. Apart from that, thanks. I really appreciate that. You know, we have a friend, a mutual friend, who won't let his partner into bed with outdoor hair. So I feel like I'm doing quite well, just wearing my outdoor clothes. I know someone who won't ha- won't really have sex unless it's um, the night before the sheets are changed. <laughs> God, and so I, I, I have a hard relate to that. Well, like, look, we might as well, because I'm taking all of this off in the morning. Yeah, it'll be so fine. Funny. Okay, go on then. I and think- I could, uh, yeah, and maybe and maybe the night before that. But I mean, the, the night when the sheets are all beautiful and... and, and well, the first uh, night. The, the, well, not the first night of the sex, the first night of the sheets. <laughs> no, no, the first night of the sheets. I know. I think the thing about your bed is that it's the symmetry that's nice. Very comfortable. I'm absolutely fine. But I managed to um, fight my way past all of your pillows to get into a bed oh with you. Oh my God, the pillows. The pillow situation is I massive. wrestle all night with pillows. Do you know what it is? It's because everybody knows that I have quite an intense relationship with my bed and I like, and we can talk that through if you like. But, and so they give me presents that are to do with my bed. Many blankets and quilts and it's all lovely. And many delicious pillows, square pillows, king size pillows. And I live in a house uh, and there are many things wrong with my house. I feel very lucky to have my house whilst also resenting different corners in my house. But I don't have any storage. So there is no place for these pillows except on my bed. So there are nine pillows on my bed. I was about to say, there are nine pillows. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. So I, I want you to imagine, everybody... I'm lying next to Annabelle and I'm lying on five pillows. But also up. at night, you know, you obviously throw them on the floor at various stages of frenzy and distress and whatever it might be. And then it makes going to the loo in the middle of the night, which obviously we all do, like <laughs> an assault course. <laughs> yeah. No, I really worry about things that I put on my bed neck that I'm going to sort of take myself out on, on the way to the loo. Well, like shoes or books. Yeah, exactly. You do have to clear a path. Yeah. Actually, you do have to clear a path. Um, because also we, we're, we're, we're approaching the age where we get worried about having a fall not just falling over <laughs> I know I'm so cautious I've got very steep stairs yeah um, your stairs are scary yeah they're scary and they and you really do ha- I mean everybody virtually has fallen down them um, including me when I was pregnant but um, I think that you yeah I really I'm now I think like twice about what I'm carrying and um, and at what angle I'm going down and whether or not I should, you know, do it at all. Maybe I'll just stay in my room. Although <laughs> We could stay here and become like those Grey Gardens ladies. Do you think? And get all cobwebby and sort of disgusting. I quite like the idea of Miss Havishaming it up in your bed for the rest of our lives. 
does feel tempting now, doesn't it, Boxing Day? Oh, my God. The perineum of the year. I mean, what happens now? <laughs> which is, I always want to know in that analogy, which is the bottom, which is the arse and which is the vulva? Oh, as in Christmas and New Year? Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, I see. Which is the arsehole and which is the vagina? Um, yeah. I know, discuss, just let answers correct. on a postcard, please. Yeah. Um, I think we need to know because we're in, basically we're in collapse and then we'll just okay, wind so ourselves up day. again. Boxing day is chaos. You feel like overfed, also hungry, but not hungry for anything that's in your fridge because Christmas has taken over your fridge and taken over your house and the rubbish. And we probably shouldn't even discuss the rubbish in the packaging. No. But it's not, a, it, it's angry making and it's 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 shame inducing. And it's, a, This is also the period of time where nobody knows who they are and what the fuck they're doing and what day of the week it is and time. And I honestly believe that you get to a point where you just sort of start just eating out of the fridge, like a kind oh, yeah, of, of like it troughing. Does, you mean get to the point. That's the starting point. <laughs> yeah, I know. But also, you know how Christmas carols feel wrong the moment Christmas Day is over? So do Christmas decorations and anything to do with Christmas. And so so I'm sitting in my house and what looked quite cheerful, if cobbled together yesterday, looks sort of tawdry today. I think it's very hard to keep the decorations up till Twelfth Night. Like you, it's almost like you really have to hold your nerve as far as not wanting to throw everything away. Yeah, I know. I mean, everything. But also it's such a ball ache taking them down. That's why I put my Christmas tree up sort of the first week in December which I really disapprove of but I just thought it's such a nightmare to you know get the lights down untangle them get the decorations down get it all going get the extension leads the endless extension leads most of which mine are sort of you know poking through doors and out from under sofas and they are in no way hidden or elegant um that I wanted it to be a month before I had to take the whole lot down again yeah to risk it I mean I think we went too early this year and that was the 13th so now it's just looking really tired. I know, but at least you've got a real tree. I'm using a fake one now because last time I had a real one, it broke the dustbuster and it nearly broke me. <laughs> Trying to get it outside. Dustbusters. Can we just discuss dustbusters? Yes. I feel like they are one of the world's... You get them with all the hope of a kind of uh, young girl at the beginning of her life, excited that this is going to solve all of it's your cereal. It's going to be a new dawn. It is. For the, all those little bits. And it just doesn't fucking work. Mine I've does. yet to... Well, I've yet to meet a dustbuster. I'm going to have to examine yours after this. Because How I... often do you clean yours? No, no, I threw mine away. Sorry. How often did you clean it before you threw it away? Quite often. Really? Mm. How often do you wash your bath mat? Every two weeks. <laughs> that is such a lie. No, it is, it is, it is now. Since when? Since you shamed me. Oh, I'm so... Oh, that makes me feel better. Does it? Yeah, it does, actually. Just single-handedly. Well, I just had a vision of your bath mat, and as far as I was concerned, it had it had never been washed. No, it has been washed. It has. It will gets washed every two weeks along with the towels. But the thing about Boxing Day is when we is when the sun comes up on Boxing Day, it seems to shine a ruthless light upon not only your face and body, but upon your house. So all the things that are wrong with your house, like the damp patches, and there are many, like the knackered old carpets, or whatever it might be, just seem to be somehow worse. And I don't know if that's because it's to do with our hopes and dreams for next year and things we want to do with where we live and how we live. Or What, what do you want from your house next year? Do you know this, actually, while we're on the subject, there's a huge surge of people going online to look at properties or look for new mortgage deals or on boxing day Day specifically like people are like it is the day it is it is the winter of our discontent yeah and people are like okay i've now got christmas out of the way and everything is now careering towards 
2020 in such a big way and 2020 is the year that I will make it happen yeah whatever and also it is. I guess boxing days when you've got time to dream of your new life yeah your and new you want to man- with its shed or with its garden or with its I don't know yeah and you want to manifest it I want to manifest greedily because actually I'm incredibly lucky and I have a house I want a loft extension mm. um, but we've been wanting it we managed to fix the roof last year um, which was a major triumph actually it was the it was the only thing I wanted but my new it was my biggest new year's resolution because it had leaked and leaked and leaked for how long yeah on our like on our youngest daughter for eight years <laughs> or, literally onto her bed <laughs> on for her yeah. whole life and um and uh and so i was very much like yes no this is what we're going to do so we did what uh, in fact i didn't do it um and i didn't even make the call I just, um, it happened. The roof was fixed. You, you think your visualisation made it happen? Yes. So this year I'm visualising a uh, So hang a on, so the roof extension. is fixed and is now capable of housing this loft extension of which exactly. you speak. Exactly. And the loft extension, it would, it's a complete indulgence, but it, it would feel rather magnificent and grown up, I think. Would you and, live in it? Yes. You'd we move would go yourself into the loft. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would be, it'd be, it's one of those things where you would, I would feel totally like I was winning at life in a really major way. Yeah, I can see extension. why. You'd be in a big old posh top floor bedroom, probably with an ensuite. Yeah, exactly. And Is like that a, likely to happen? No. <laughs> no. We tried, last time we called the bank, we said, can we borrow some money to, um, like, from our property? And they said, yeah, you can have five grand. <laughs> we really like, we were like oh yeah okay that's that's not helpful <laughs> so there you go so let so and i don't know if i can set myself up for that humiliation again but we might try better start saving starting to save i know it's all of those things i think that you're right though when you said when you look at the the sort of the cold light of boxing day and you it really does throw up all the things that you want to change particularly yeah. i think with the big the big 2020 the big new decade starting you know, because you're like, okay, well, if I haven't got my shit together for 2020, when when will I ever have had my I shit know, together? I know, I know. It is the future, officially. I know, I'm looking around this room thinking what a mess it is. Looking at my bedside table. I'm not going to tell you. I, I mean, I don't think anyone should ever discuss what's in my bedside table. <laughs> Do you think what stays in the bedside table stays in the bedside table? Well, yes, but what I can see is on my bedside table are three different bottles of CBD oil. <laughs> it's a really work? small bedside table. Are you a... drinking them? Well, i tell you what I use them for. There's a brand called, there are two. There's one from a brand called Cubid and one from a brand, brand called Chloris. And they're both quite nice reputable brands with quite a high concentration of CBD. And, and I don't know if I believe in it or not, but I do know that when I wake up at 4am and I put a few drops under my tongue, I am more likely to go back to sleep. That is, I mean, do you think that it would work for, does, would you use it for panic and anxiety? In like, the daytime. In the daytime. Should we try it? I'm usually too panicked and anxious to... <laughs> be able to make any kind of choice it's worth a go some people really really you know subscribe to it and then what did we dose you up with earlier on in the year didn't there was something oh i gave you a beta blocker (laughs) oh yes 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 true it's true you had to go like so emily i should explain had some beta blockers left over from that time that golden era when she was hearing voices yeah and lost my mind and was so kind of crippled with anxiety and panic that i was prescribed uh, beta blockers and I had some left over. Really. Did you ever take any beta blockers? Yes. Oh, you did actually take them? Oh yeah, no, I think they're, they, I mean, listen. How did they make you feel? They make me feel, they made me feel normal. 
Because I've generally got quite a high tolerance for things. I put quite a lot <laughs> into my body over my life. And um, and so I thought a beta blocker would be a walk in the park. And actually, I was really very stoned <laughs> was and sleepy. really funny. And there was no chance of getting any work done when <laughs> you gave me that beta blocker. No, it was very funny. I now I, I remember it was like it was like having a high person, but it, at sort of 9.30 on a Monday morning. Yeah, not very fun no, either. No, exactly. And then on my bedside table, there are also um, two different types of magnesium pills. There's a theme here, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Um, and uh, one very good brand actually which is a brand called I think it's called Together and it is Together Nighttime Marine Magnesium Complex Uh, and it's good because it's pure it's got no synthetics did you know that a lot of supplements are full of petrochemicals no they're just grown they're They're not Vaseline is Vaseline a petrochemical I think probably worse than Vaseline Um, but they are just sort of grown in factories and um, there's nothing natural or beneficial. But the supplement industry is really unregulated and really wild west. But these, I know that what you want with supplements is something called food state. So they're not just grown out of nothing. They actually come from, right, from something a, from like, the earth. Um, and this is quite a good magnesium. That's quite funny. Yeah. Food state. That's what we're all in right now. Like a vegetable. We are state. in a food state <laughs> looking at a supplement that's also in a food state. So so I guess the the, 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 the virtuous triptych is uh, Epsom salts bath, magnesium spray on your body. You get it on Amazon. makes you itch. The more you itch, the more apparently you need it, which sounds a bit Victorian, but anyway. Uh, and then knocking back a pill. Yeah. And then supposedly you sleep. You don't, but supposedly you do. Uh, oh, and then I've got some antihistamines. I take okay. Fenagon, which I take to help me sleep. Yeah. Uh, on my bedside table. And um, some Olbass oil, because you might hear that I'm a little bit snuffly. Would you like to have a little sniff of this? Yeah, I love Olbass oil. Oh, that's good, I right? have to tell you that on my bedside table, even though we're not there, I know that there are three different sleep sprays. Oh, there's I've got a sleep spray, spray too. I bet you've got the same as me. Have you got a This Works? I've got a This Works, obviously, which is the, the, the guru. I've got an aromatherapy deep sleeps one and then i've got a i actually can't remember the other brand but i do have three and i have some chloris some cbd face oil which i'm really liking mm. but i mean i because i don't think i can take the the cbd or at least i'd be scared to i know that's silly but or in case it's mood altering yeah so for someone who hasn't taken a mood altering substance apart from life for fuck's sake if anything's mood altering for 13 years um then yeah, I feel a bit weirded out by CBD, which I'm sure is I'm sure. I think you're probably right too. I think you've got to be careful. But I mean, I mean, I can tell you that emphatically, it's not mood altering. Oh, I wish it was. <laughs> but yeah. oh, it isn't. And I'm looking towards. So I'm looking. So I'm sitting. We're sitting in my bed, and I'm looking towards my bathroom door, and my wardrobe. It's like it's HQ, isn't it? And you look at your wardrobe, praying for something relevant, and flattering, and comfortable, but doesn't look comfortable to leap out. That's not going to happen. And then I'm looking at my bathroom, which is where all my makeup and stuff is, wondering what I'll see when I go and look in the mirror there. And I can see, hanging on the door handle, about eight bras. <laughs> it's because I need, because I've got such big boobs, I need different bras for different occasions. There's a sleep bra, there's a relaxed bra, a sports bra, which is enormous. Um, then there's a sort of normal everyday bra. There might be a party bra. I mean, there's weeks worth of bras there. I How often do you wash your bras? Mm, it's quite hard for me to answer that, even though I'm a fanatical washer because they hang out on that door handle quite a lot. So they get rotated. So they just get aired, basically. No, they do get washed, but I couldn't say after I've worn them twice or after I... How often are you meant to wash bras? I have absolutely no idea, but I definitely don't wash my bras as regularly as I wash my knickers. Well, no, obviously not, but that's fair <laughs> enough. But it's the first thing I do when I get home. So it's take my bra off. 
And when you walk through the door at home, do you notice, are you just grateful to be home and yeah. then you just relax? Or do you notice the things that annoy you about your house? Um, I have to tell you that I am not a noticer. Right. So I don't really, I've got a really high tolerance for kind of shit falling off or um, peeling wallpaper or, you know, not having made any decisions about the colour of the hall. What, so samples all over the walls? All over the walls, all of that stuff. I'm not, you know, I don't really... Things, the only thing I think I do on a regular basis in my house in a kind of fanatical is turn overhead lighting off. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like that's the, 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 the I will walk into a room and go, oh, no, and turn that. Every turn, room. Yeah. You you have got a problem with that green light, though. Yes. Emily in, her, Emily in her um, kitchen has got a, rather a smart looking green glass light, which is fine in the daytime. But the moment you turn it on, you have proper alien abduction smear test lighting yeah it is literally it's like the marriage of all the worst kinds yeah. of lighting you could possibly think of it's et is coming and he's bringing his speculum that's exactly what it is oh my goodness it's awful so what does bother you what you mean in terms of what part things, from overhead lighting yeah things you'd like to tweak tweakments like botox and fillers for botox your house. my house i mean I, the thing is is that i suppose i suppose uh, i find the whole thought of doing anything significant quite exhausting i totally agree I... not i mean expense is one thing but even when you've ring fenced the money if you can to do whatever you need to do then the organizing and the disruption oh i agree it takes a strong stomach and um and, and also i'm never going to have enough money to do everything so it has to be tiny things at a time so that's going to be lots of pieces of destruction yeah. rather than just disruption rather <laughs> and destruction yeah and I'm really annoyed with myself. Like, for example, we've got some pictures that need to go up on the wall. And I promise you, they've been there for two years, like stacked up. But your husband is a builder. I know. And he's brilliant, a brilliant builder. And um, but still somehow it is, I suppose it's a, it, for him, it's a busman's holiday. He yeah. doesn't want to be like, um, you know, he doesn't want to be coming home coming with his home. plumb line. Or and I think I'm like, fuck's sake, I must be able to. It's, why am I? This w woman sitting there going, oh, can you put it up for me? And um, I've really a question. Got, I don't yes. even know the answer. No. Yeah, sure. That's all fine. Get yourself a hammer or a drill and a nail. But how do you know you're not going to hit a pipe or a wire? In fact, do even the people who know, know? Or are they just, you know, winging it as well? I think you can get those machine things that tell you whether there's like a what cable lies behind. Beneath. Yeah, exactly. One would hope. Anyway. Would you like me to buy you one for your birthday? No, I don't think so. I think that seems like a waste of a, of a purchase. A waste of a present. I'm sorry about the rustling. I'm just getting myself really comfortable. And she's Honestly. like sliding down as we speak. Yeah, it's really cosy. I, I, uh, I think we should probably turn the television on. I know. I really disapprove of televisions in bedrooms, but I'm never getting rid of mine. I never had a telly in my bedroom until a couple of years ago. It was a sort of act of desperation for various reasons. And uh, there are wires everywhere and it's a mess, but it's, it's, it's staying. But it's interesting the way that the more... I went to see it when I went there. I had this big health check recently. And they've given me all sorts of things I've had to change and do. Many, many supplements, meditation, you name it. And the one thing was, right, well, we're going to get rid of the telly in your bedroom. And I went, <laughs> no, we're not. And they said, when they said to me, you know, meditation is a deal breaker, you know, whether this works or it doesn't work. And these are proper medical people, by the way. They're not kind of, you know, it's not quackery. I said, all right, all right, I'll give it a go. Uh, uh, and, uh, but I'm not, you're not getting my telly. Don't take my telly away from me, bitch. There's something depressing about watching on a laptop anyway. It's like, obviously you're going to watch stuff in bed. Obviously you are. Um, so what do you want to do to your house, Annabelle? What, this year, 2020? Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, God, so much. I just don't know if I can face anything and I certainly can't afford it. Okay, so when I moved into this house and I was, um, I'd had a baby by myself. I was, you know, I moved in with this child. And as a result of being a single mother and being rather sort of milky and dim, um, I was ripped off on everything. I mean, I overpaid for everything. And um, and one of the things that the builders did, and they weren't doing very much to the house because I, I didn't have the money to do it, but they were giving it like a lick of paint um, and sort of, you know, making sure the windows opened and shut and that kind of thing because it was a bit of a mess when I bought it. Um, but the one thing it did have was a new carpet. And for some reason, they didn't cover the carpet and said, oh, we assumed you were going to replace the carpet. So they ruined the carpet which I've never been able to afford to replace. And I don't know why I wasn't furious. I just guess I didn't have the energy to be. So the carpet is really, you can see it's all ripped up in places and crumpled and stained. There's black marks everywhere from when they were doing the windows. And I need to replace that carpet. New carpet. Mm. I think that's it. It's hanging off the stairs. It's got black bits. It's just, it just feels squalid. And that's the thing I really can't bear. I don't mind if things aren't high spec. In fact, I don't really like high spec, but I'd like it to be very clean and pristine not at all minimalist I mean I like lots of colour and lots of texture and actually kind of a bit of chaos but it just oh I don't like squalid if I can help it if I can help it Um, if you could buy a house if you could if you never bought your house you started over again would you buy your house yeah I love my house oh god that's so nice but I think because I think because it because we I don't know we worked really hard and we saved and we did it and it's just it was the first big space my first flat was a studio um that was i mean was so small the bathroom and the kitchen were the were basically the same sort of space and it felt it just feels magical so i think yeah i love i love it i know what you mean i can't i, I sometimes can't believe it's that 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 thing isn't it where you sort of lock lock the door and you think look at me i'm the grown-up locking yeah. the door how come i'm allowed to lock the door what's happened yeah and i love being the last person up i mean at 10 oh five yeah Yeah, obviously not like the last person out at midnight creepy round but and i love going round and just like turning all the non-overhead i don't even know what all the lamps off there's not millions of them but you know what i mean and then double locking the door it's weird how ritualistic we get about our houses isn't it like i know exactly when i get down in the morning i know what order i turn the lights on in and that's not for any particular reason i know the way that i hang my towels i know exactly how i do things yeah and how you go on autopilot, like, you know, your keys are just, you know, in the bowl by the door, or on the hook or wherever it might be. Yeah. Just I know some people who don't have that. I know one person who every time it's a man, he leaves his house, goes, oh, my God, where are my keys? Because he's put them somewhere different every, every single day. That I'm must be quite that's stressful. Me. That's me. Is that you? Yeah. So today you're in your outdoor clothes, much to my distress. But normally you wear what? Pajamas and bed socks. Yes. Every night. Yeah. I mean, I I take the bed socks off if it's sexy time. <laughs> if it's not too cold. What about summer? <laughs> do, would you ever join in summer? Can you imagine if taking my bed socks off was like the sign that? Well, the like, scummy mummies who change. we love love very dearly. Didn't yeah. Helen Thorne, one half of the scummy mummies, do a yeah. brilliant riff about managing to have sex with one leg out of her pajamas? Allegedly, yes, <laughs> she did. It has Good come style. to that. Yeah, it has come to that. But also, oh, I forgot what I was going to say, obviously. Maybe we should have a little nap and then wake up again and start recording. That's sort of inevitable, isn't it? <laughs> We're awake. 
And delighted to welcome our next guest, Daniel Hegarty, who was always an unlikely candidate for tech world domination. A punk guitarist who left school with no qualifications and went on the road with his band called Serum. Ten years of being a touring musician, playing with the likes of Robbie Williams and S Club 7, and he quit and landed in Tech City. And Daniel the Unexpected Geek emerged. Then he tried to buy a house. And of course, it all went wrong. And so Habito, the free online mortgage broker, was born in 2016. So we're thrilled to welcome to the podcast, Daniel Hegarty, the man on a mission to take the misery out of mortgages. How are you? I'm absolutely fine, but uh, my gluten-free guests at Christmas dinner yesterday were seen eating bread rolls three hours into the meal. Oh, my God. Having prepared separate gravy, (gasps) separate main, and after a what it seems like about a pint of pear cider, I saw my brother-in-law reach into the bread roll basket. That bastard. What did you do? I didn't do anything. I'm English. I just, uh, <laughs> I just wept internally and said it on a podcast. Yeah, and exactly, and shamed them forever. What arse He knows. Basically, the mid... <laughs> oh, Emily. I mean, no one loves a pun more than Emily. Oh, or no. a bun. Like, uh, oh, dance. She's out of control. <laughs> well, I'm feeling very perky today. Um, on Boxing Day. Yeah, on Boxing Day. Um, so, you were a rock star. Not so much. What went right? <laughs> Nothing went right. No, I was I was a, I was a session musician, which is like sort of somewhere between a, a roadie and a rock star, but closer to being a roadie, mm. like a skilled roadie mm. is how I think about it. So no, I, I it's been about a decade running around playing guitar behind pop stars to not great effect. Um, and so did you did did you walk away from it, or did it walk away from you, or was there something? What was the light at the end of the guitar tunnel? I think I just always had a deep passion for mortgages in my heart, <laughs> and I was I was Very living good. I was living a lie. <laughs> so you tried to buy a house. I did. I tried to buy a house about five years ago. Um, and what had happened? Were you selling, or had you saved and no, saved and saved? No, I saved and saved and saved all of my session musician money, which is not much. Not a great deal. I had finally kind of got to the point of being able to afford a house. Um, had found one, made an offer. Um, Obviously, the podcast, you can't see me, but I don't look that trustworthy. I've got tattoos and don't look like I've got money for houses. Well, he's wearing a power knit. Um, I don't own a suit. You um, do have a power knit. I do have a power knit. Do you have a wardrobe of cardigans? I literally do. Mm, I um, can tell. And uh, blazer guns. Uh, blazer guns. are uh, a kind of hybrid device. Not onto cardigans yet. <laughs> no. Oh, the not. only way is up. <laughs> uh, are cardigans like for, like to knee length? Yeah. Is that how they run? Possibly floor length. Men, I don't think men wear cardigans. No. Not that they should. They could. You could be the first. Can. I, I mean, mean, you're a boundary-breaking innovator. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. So you you had your you had your pot of cash. You had a we house had in, in in your sights. Yes, we had some suspicious old people selling us the house who didn't yes. believe we could afford it, but they were. Oh, I thought the, you meant suspicious <laughs> old people as in criminals. Yeah, they, there was something slightly menacing uh, about how they'd split up the living room. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but then so we went to apply for our mortgage, um, and our mortgage broker applied to the bank on our behalf, and somehow in the process uh, applied with me, um, my partner, and my partner on the application. Um, oh. So the, the bank, three of you. The three of us. So the bank rejected it on the grounds that uh, I was a polygamist or a bigamist or something well, just strange. Just basically just buggered up the mortgage just form. Just buggered it up because it's a long old form and actually having filled in a few now on the other side, I, I see how it could happen. Mm. The forms so, are the worst. Exactly. Um, so the banks, uh, the bank rejected it. Uh, it took 10 days for them to go through that process and tell me I wasn't going to be getting a mortgage. Um, my mortgage broker in, in shame obviously uh, applied again. This time he removed me from the application and just put my partner <laughs> and my partner on the application. <laughs> at which point uh, the friendly old sellers were like, you're not buying this house and we're, we're pulling out. Um, and then in a kind of ridiculous driving, like driving round to the bank, literally handing them bank statements. We did actually manage to get the mortgage and buy the house in the end, but it oh was. By which point, you'd, y- your cardiovascular age was about 94. I was 6'1 and blonde. 
at that point. Um, <laughs> it was uh, everything has has gone horribly wrong. Since. I mean, because you know, because I mean, it, also the strange thing about buying houses, uh, buying houses is 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 end to end strange. I think, but also you see it, and you could. I mean, I agonise more about buying a pair of shoes than I did. You see it, and then you got to get it, and then you got to yep. get everything in place, and and it presses every stress button in your system. It triggers everything from your past. It does crazy stuff to you buying houses. It does. I mean, you project your children into the bedrooms and what you're going to do with the kitchen, and by the time, and this is all before you've made an offer. Mm. I think that's interesting. Actually, right, we've did some research that said most people have made the house buying decision in the first 10 seconds of a viewing. I think that's true. I'm it's terrible, though. I walk into, I've walked into every house that we've ever looked at and gone, I want it. Oh, really? and like, I know, but that's because you were relentlessly positive yes, and delightful. I can, I can oh, really? immediately I go, oh, this is great. And I feel like I have to please like the estate agent, possibly the owners oh, who are no. going around. I feel really bad. I'm and, the opposite. Uh, I, th- I feel like I have to say like disparaging things, uh, so I appear. I'm learned. completely with you. <laughs> Basically, negging. Yeah, yeah. Neg everybody in sight. <laughs> I know my mum does that, like proper, like stage whispering. I'm not sure about this third bedroom. There's a funny smell in here. Is it damp? Um, so, so you got this house. I did. What almost killed yourself in the process, and then you thought this is not okay. I think yeah, I was just struck by quite how disempowered. I felt during yeah. the whole process and I was very focused on the house and I was really ignoring the extraordinary amount of debt that I was getting into and didn't really understand. It's weird um, how you can become so disempowered doing something that should be a kind of fantastic life yeah. moment. You're buying But it's freedom. so much money yeah. as well and I agree we're so cavalier about who we trust to do it, who we sort out. Wh- Whilst how at we the same it. time being incredibly frightened yeah. Yeah. and you're buying your own tiny piece of the world. It's an extraordinary thing. So yeah, and that that was kind of the genesis for me. Was it was the I just felt like there had to be a better way, a to kind of explain the underlying thing that I was buying, but also you know I wanted to be treated like a, a human in the process. And mm. I wanted somebody who was kind of empathetic and understood what I was going through, and I certainly didn't experience. I that. mean, I I have an enormous mortgage which I absolutely don't understand. We're here for you for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also, do you think what exactly you just um, you want to feel seen, don't you? You want the person at the other end to be like, yeah, we get it, because mm. actually. 90% of the time you feel like people are saying you're stupid you can't even fill the form in you mm-hmm. don't know what year it is I'm really struggling and also just because you're a freelancer Ooh. doesn't mean you're going to be inevitably bankrupt next week you'd be better off being a criminal in the yeah. mortgage market they do not like the self-employed yeah. no, they <laughs> it is it is improving but it has uh, historically it's just been very very challenging but at Habito you guys have worked quite hard on making it easy for freelancers or and the self-employed or the sort of dis- the normally the mortgage marginalized to Indeed. kind of get um women on maternity leave yep. and, and so and so how do you do that do you just look around for the for the lenders that will be able to handle those situations it's a little bit of both so yeah one it's having kind of very deep knowledge of the eligibility criteria of, of the banks and but secondly we're now one of the biggest kind of uh, providers of mortgage customers to the banks so we get to turn up and be like hey maybe we could not ignore these ladies on maternity and perhaps these self-employed computer programmers are probably gonna make quite a lot of money in the long run maybe Ooh, we should that's be fascinating so You're how Game, How does it feel to go from the upstart who everyone wants to turn their back on to someone that you know has the ears of the industry? It's tremendous. I'm totally drunk on power. <laughs> I just, I'm just making stuff up at so this you, point. So you decide, you decide, you decide that, that mortgages aren't working for anybody. But then, how do you go about setting up something as disruptive as an online mortgage broker and lender? Now, mm-hmm. in, in essence. Um, I just sat down in my kitchen and found the cleverest person I knew, who was a, an, an engineer. <laughs> I almost um, said, you're a mum entrepreneur. I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, we just sat there for six months thinking really hard, building prototypes. Um, and I, honestly, I think there was a huge amount of power in our, in our ignorance. I mean, just not understanding and not being sort of 
the weird thing is people in the mortgage market really love mortgages. Like they are very infatuated with the complexity of the market. Really? Um, and you, you go and see the regulator or the banks and like they've been... They've been messing around with this stuff for years, and they're deep. So um, every nuance to them oh, is sort of delicious. Oh, amazing! You couldn't you couldn't manufacture this kind of excitement. So in a, a way, like were they Spinal deli- Tap in <laughs> that in that way where it's like I can turn this up to eleven mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So were they delighted to meet somebody who apparently wanted to talk about mortgages as much as they do? And in a way, were they thrilled to see a, a fresh perspective walk through the door, or were you a threat? It was mixed. It was there was one particular meeting which I found was which was really the like the moment for me, which was with a with a guy who had been around during the crisis and was kind of like chortling to me about how he'd, they had this magic formula for when they could insert fees that nobody would notice mm-hmm. and how they'd like raked their logo into the beach at, in Dubai for a million pounds and you know, the good days. And I remember being like, oh, yeah. yes, now now we've got an enemy. Like mm-hmm. you're yeah. the problem, we're gonna come and kill you. <laughs> I totally agree, oh, it's good um, to have an enemy. Yeah. What was the what was the, the mission? Uh, to make mortgages easier, but, but but in what way? How were you, how did you go about doing that? I think look, for me, the first thing was like they just had to be comprehensible, like just you know fixed rate LTV, uh, ERCs, all these in, insane. So cutting acronyms, through the yeah. jor- jargon, yeah, and and really like partially because you know the people creating these products are drunk on the complexity, but also just because it's convenient for you not to understand. Like yes. it's better if customers aren't asking informed questions. So the main thing for us was just to try and create a level playing field. I mean, there's over twenty three thousand mortgages in the UK from ninety lenders. Which is amazing because you yeah. feel like actually there is well, mostly the time you feel like there isn't actually yeah, the, one. Yeah, but there's there is <laughs> there's, there there's is. lots of them and, and trying to find that needle in, in that haystack is, is a real challenge. So we the, the job one was just to make it comprehensible and make every mortgage available to every customer. Mm. And you actually are certified jargon free, aren't you? Did they actually give you a certificate that we said did. you think, are jargon free and you did. have it on the wall? We yeah. did. I, I think Farah Finance. Um, I think we so we created this new. I'm talking about terms and conditions. Now I'm that guy as well. <laughs> we created the first set of terms and conditions that could be read by, could be understood by an 11 year old um, in the in financial services. So it's pretty cool. I think. I, I still don't think they'd be understood by me. <laughs> <laughs> dyspraxia if you just show me a form I cry I think the forms are so stressful like passport forms you know when you when you have to write in exa- within the box and the temptation is just just your hands start shaking my last passport though- form got sent back three times yeah, it's, what, what yeah. Happened? well I happened <laughs> Um, and you're not allowed to form shame us okay, what, do, what do you think are the biggest myths of the, the, the mortgage world I think it's a couple. I think the one that springs to mind is that you have to pay for mortgage advice, um, and that's not just a plug for us. There are there are many places. That is you, something yeah. I absolutely believe, and in fact, yep. just recently did. Yep. Typically, you'd be paying about five hundred pounds. Bearing in mind, the mortgage broker, including us, get paid by the banks, um, so shouldn't really need to be charging you as oh, well. So, so Habito is, is is free. Completely free to customers, um, and there are others, um, but it is yeah, it, it makes no sense. And and advisors have a regulatory responsibility to give you appropriate advice, so you're not getting better advice for the money. So keep that five hundred pounds, spend it on something. That you want, um, and the other, the other, the, a really shocking number that hit me the other day was fifty um, percent of people think that remortgaging is a bad thing. So think that something's gone wrong, which is why they're having to remortgage. Including uh, me. <laughs> but obviously, remortgage is just you getting on, making sure you're on a good rate. Remortgaging tends to be a money-saving exercise or mm. an optimization. So people should not fear remortgaging. They should absolutely be. I've always thought the remortgaging meant that you sort of everything's gone wrong and you need to extract money out of your mortgage in order to survive. No, because normally, I mean, most people are on a two-year fixed-rate kind of deal, and yeah. it just means that's come to an end and it's time to get a new one. And sometimes your bank will offer you a rate that will ordinarily not be the best rate for you. So it is really, really makes sense to shop around. So you shop around so we don't have to. Exactly. We, we take like it away. my peak adulthood will be if I ever get a five-year fixed. I've just come Do out you know of a five-year I mean? fixed. I paid double oh. what I'm paying now for five no, years. I know, it was terrible. Don't you, don't you feel like 
Or even a repayment mortgage, actually, she says. <laughs> yes, that would that I agree. Then I'd feel I'd arrived. <laughs> a five-year repayment mortgage, and then I then I had my shit together. That, that's pretty grown up. Yeah. So you, you so you've been going for three years, is yeah. that right? Um, well, have you seen any significant consumer shifts in that time? Yeah, I mean, obviously, so we've lived mostly in the kind of the Brexit horror um, since we've since we launched. I think it was about Which, six, oh, yeah. and everybody has said no one's been buying or selling. No one's, but, but surely they must have been. No, they have. I think particularly people haven't been selling. So anybody who's been enjoying the increase in the value of their home doesn't want to realise that loss. So you know, there's been quite a lot of activity in the first time buyer market and new builds. But but mostly. also remortgaging for home improvements. Remortgaging, yeah. There's a lot of uh, you know, don't move, improve yeah. going on, and so the remortgage market has actually been as buoyant as ever. It's just been that kind of um, next step. I guess we think of them as, you know, I guess uh, someone like me who's had a couple of kids now and is thinking, oh, we could do with that extra bedroom. This has not been a moment for, for doing that. Yeah. Right. So our, our busiest period by far are Sunday nights. And so if I come on a Sunday night and I try and fill in the form, which inevitably I'm me, so I can't do, you have someone there who can say, don't panic. We we, we've seen people even stupider than you. This is what this yeah, means. If you, if you can imagine these gra- the graphs of our volume, so you'll in every break in Broadchurch or Game of Thrones, we get incredibly busy. <laughs> and it tends to be people, because it's literally the last thing you want to do on earth is your mortgage. So you do it on Sunday night with when your laptop. When you're already feeling really do, exactly. like low. Exactly. You're like, <laughs> how much lower can else. I go? <laughs> exactly. I can watch television um, and do it. Do some light remortgaging. <laughs> you got a little light remortgaging. <laughs> and, uh, and how long will it typically take? It takes about end to end to do, give us all the data, get all the advice, about 20 to 25 minutes and that's it then you come back with options exactly we'll, we'll give you a recommendation or multiple recommendations if that's what you want um, and if you're happy to go then we'll run off and do all the running around in the background and get the mortgage and and so but recently you've started lending so what does that mean for you and for us so i guess to my earlier point the as a broker you get to influence the banks and you get to talk to a lot of customers but you don't get to really change the underlying products and we we really felt like that we wanted to do something more fundamentally transformational so we launched our own lending products over the summer and over the next 12 months we'll be rolling out lots more uh, products aimed at you know particularly at the self-employed maybe some long-term fixed rates maybe 20 year plus fixed rates for the really? very grown up amongst us. My God, that's um, so grown up. But trying to fill in essentially the gaps where the, the banks the banks ignore currently. It's really exciting. I mean, that's the level when you're actually so much in the game, you are the game. That's where it's really disruptive. You right? are the game. You are, are the, game. the game. I am the game. I'm literally, I'm literally <laughs> going to like stop this podcast now. There's a rapper called the game. Mortgage. There's a rapper called the game. There I is. Mean, you are not the rapper called I'm the not, game. No. <laughs> I'm not. My, my rhyming that. skills are pretty limited. So all that's left for us to say is is Dan Haggerty. Happy Boxing Day and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Mid-Alt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Habito. Make your mortgage easy at habito.com. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Don't believe everything you think. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.